You're listening to a sponsored episode on The Top Line. The average rare and specialty disease patient's time to diagnosis is seven years, and unfortunately sometimes even more than a decade. As specialty physicians are experts in one area, such as heart or kidney, they sometimes don't recognize rare diseases that often have complex symptomology. This can lead patients down a diagnostic odyssey in which they're incorrectly diagnosed by different specialists for years and repeatedly prescribed the wrong medications. However, by relying on real-world health signals derived from claims data, machine learning, and artificial intelligence, AIML, it's possible to create models that reveal the ideal, de-identified patient and their healthcare ecosystem, regardless of their current diagnosis status. Today we speak with Dan Fisher, Managing Director of IPM.ai. Welcome, Dan, and thank you for speaking with us today. Thanks, Julia. Great to speak with you and really looking forward to the conversation. To get us started, can you tell us what the typical rare and specialty disease patient journey looks like? Sure. Uh, I would say the typical patient journey is going to be very atypical for any rare disease. Uh, We're going to see that there's a pretty broad spectrum uh, of disorders that would fall under the rare disease classification. Uh, So as as many of us know out there, there's over 7,000 unique rare diseases, uh, half of which do affect pediatric populations. And the way in which those different diseases manifest can be drastically different from one disease state to the next, as well as within each particular disease state. So for example, if I take a, a disease state that has to Uh, do with metabolic disorders, Uh, the way that it presents for, let's say, a a severe young male patient can be drastically different from, you know, a female patient who's older that may have less severe presentation of symptoms. Why I mention this is because the way that you stitch together each patient's journey is incredibly reliant on looking from a bottom-up approach, meaning looking at each patient distinctly, uh, looking at their longitudinal history and be able to ascertain what is it that that patient is uniquely going through um, that may be different from any other patient that you may see in a data set. Here at IPM, uh, we're looking at over 300 million unique patients, but I think what's most important to, to mention is that we have over 15 years of history. So tracking how a patient progresses over the last 15 years can really paint a, a very vivid picture of, of what's going on on their odyssey Uh, what their path is to eventually reach diagnosis or to treatment, uh, and what some of those speed bumps are going to be along the way. I think the better we understand from a distinct patient point of view, the more effective we can all be, uh, whether it's for uh, clinical trial recruitment uh, or for commercial effectiveness in being able to reach those patients where they are. So why is it crucial to intervene at the right moment in a patient's diagnostic journey? Timing is everything. When we're looking at rare disease, Uh, We think about each patient's uh, interactions with the healthcare system um, as a series of different milestones uh, and ones that, uh, when they come together, really give us a full picture of of what might be happening for that given patient. So if we look at uh, each specialist that a patient would interact with, uh, and I'll give some specific examples, uh, in a neurodevelopmental disorder, we may see that the patient initially has difficulty with eating. 
so you may see that they begin interacting with uh, gastro um, because of that difficulty eating uh, and because of you know other issues with their metabolic system we may see that they have hypotonia so low uh, muscle density um, we may see that this contributes to other factors so as you're as you're hearing these patients are going to bounce across different specialists finding the point at which each patient uh, may intervene with the right specialist is critical for taking uh, different tactics to get in touch with their healthcare professional. So if we see that that given patient is visiting with a uh, pediatric uh, gastro, you know, having a MSL interacting with that specialist in real time um, is critical not only for finding that patient at the right point in their journey, but also helping recall for that provider so they didn't know which patient the MSL may be referring to, uh, and then help uh, accelerate that path to diagnosis. So when we look at timing, you know, we look at what are the steps that we can take to really impact the, uh, the course of that patient's disease journey. Um, we do provide real-time alerts so that those in the field um, understand when there's uh, a potential patient who meets clinical criteria uh, and which provider is treating that patient. Now, if we provide that on a weekly basis, that really gives strong, actionable intelligence um, that each uh, either sales rep or uh, medical affairs MSL may be able to work off of and then drive as much impact in the system as possible. And how does AIML help shorten this timeline? AI and ML um, are really tools or vehicles um, to help us better understand uh, what a patient may be going through uh, in their unique journey. Now, if I, I go back to a previous example, um, I was referring to X-linked myotubular myopathy, which is a disease state that we partnered with Astellas Gene Therapies uh, to provide a machine learning model, uh, as well as a natural history study. Uh, and in fact, our work has been publicly uh, published in the Orphanet Journal of Rare Disease in collaboration with Boston Children's Hospital at Harvard. XLMTM um, is such a difficult to identify and diagnose disease state we know that about one in 50,000 newborn boys present with XLMTM. Um, and we know that the odyssey that each patient takes um, can be drastically different. What we do know is that uh, it can be a very devastating and severe uh, condition um, that may lead to, to lifelong challenges uh, or early mortality for the given patient. Now, if we use machine learning, um, we could take a, a group of patients that we already see presenting with with XLMTM, use them as a training cohort or a positive class, as we'll call it in machine learning, uh, and peel back their history over the last 15 years. What were the different patterns of events that occurred that help us put together the appropriate uh, sequence, frequency, and even duration of different codes? Now, those patients may have um, certainly differences within their journey, but we're also going to find a lot of very similar uh, ICD-10 diagnosis codes will find procedures, prescriptions, and specialist visits in their history. I think what was impactful in this particular case uh, is in a disease state that really hadn't had much traction in positively identifying these patients to date, uh, when provided with the results, um, Astellas Gene Therapy was able to identify about 10% of the suspected epi of the disease within the first six months of the program. So we feel that the impact of, of using AI uh, is that it went far above and beyond what any individual can do looking through a patient's chart 
was able to work at scale uh, and deliver highly effective uh, outcomes, uh, not only for the sponsor of the clinical trial, but also for the patients who were able to reach that definitive diagnosis. We're certainly curious about what's happening uh, within their disease. That's a great outcome. Can you tell us how this played out for other clients in the past? Sure. So that was one example in rare disease. Uh, I think another that would be really relevant to your listeners uh, is in multiple myeloma. Um, so it is a hematological condition in oncology, and it's highly challenging to find these patients uh, at the right intervention points, knowing that the data themselves can be, be very sparse. So if we're looking for a patient uh, who is uh, refractory to their third class of therapies in multiple myeloma, we're going to have to deal with some gaps in the data like coverage and capture for certain specialty pharmacy products. Uh, we're going to see that there may be manufacturer blocks in what we see in real world data. And if we're looking strictly at business rules to identify the right patient at the right time, um, those gaps can really be devastating for, uh, for the analysis and for the outcome. Now, when we use tools like machine learning, um, if we could find those patients who are already at the end of their therapeutic journey, uh, we can model backwards and see what were the different events that happened for those patients. And it's not only the occurrence of a specific code or product, but also the absence and the surrounding events, kind of the shadow that may be cast uh, from a particular therapy administration. Um, by looking at those gaps, we could start to make uh, inferences about what may have happened in that patient's care. For example, seeing when did they have follow-up visits with their chemonc, uh, when did they see, uh, have subsequent visits uh, in the potentially inpatient setting. Um, this does give us a, a really vivid picture uh, of what that typical multimyeloma patient is going to experience in order to eventually reach uh, triple-class refractory status. Uh, to a set of therapies. So when should life sciences companies reach out to IPM.ai for patient finding? There's really no wrong time uh, to, to reach out for patient finding. To really crystallize a few examples, uh, we could start in the very early stages of the commercialization cycle. Uh, so at phase one, uh, when we're beginning to look for patients who may be appropriate for a phase two study, uh, we could certainly use patient finding to identify patients likely to meet inclusionary or exclusionary criteria for trial participation. And I think where this is especially useful is the underlying real-world data and social determinants of health data will also capture patient race, ethnicity, and other demographics. So for those sponsors who are looking to uh, fill their trials, not only with eligible patients who meet screening criteria, but also represent a diverse population um, that foster more diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, we find that uh, we could create a tremendous amount of impact for funneling those patients in um, who do meet the appropriate clinical criteria. Now, as we start to move along the spine of that commercialization cycle, we're going to be looking at uh, phase three. And um, as companies prepare for launch, this is really the ideal time to begin patient finding. There are going to absolutely be patients who meet the appropriate criteria for uh, each treatment at launch. What's often missed is, is the first wave of patients may come and go. Who are the next waves of patients that would be appropriate for, for any promotional activity? Those are the patients that we really would focus on um, during this patient finding process. 
Um, and I do want to clarify that it's it's not simply a binary, are they underdiagnosed, misdiagnosed or not? You know, we could look for different flavors of patients. For example, those that may be more responsive to therapy than others. We could look for patients who are likely to remain adherent uh, once initiating a particular treatment. Anything that we could find a positive signal in the data, we can model backwards off of uh, and see others who fit that pattern. And then, of course, as commercialized products uh, move from growth into potential maturity, you know, we could find those others who help continue to fill the funnel that may be lost through conventional methods of uh, HCP targeting, uh, deciling, and then even potentially other patient-level data applications. So I, I really would encourage any organization considering patient finding just to, to reach out, give us a, a call, and we'll be happy to talk through what some of the options are uh, and the ways that we could impact their programs. Dan Fisher, it's been a pleasure. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, the pleasure is mine. Thank you so much, Julia. Thank you.